0: Greetings, and welcome to Skylanders Portalcasters, the podcast where you discuss anything and everything Skylanders. I am your host, Inklander, and I am joined today by my co-host, GF Ditto, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing Switch Imaginators and what went wrong with its porting to the Nintendo Switch. So, Ditto, Happy Easter, how are you doing?
1: Happy Easter to you too, Inklander. I'm doing really well today. I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this topic Because I feel like this is such an important one when it comes to the porting of Skylanders games.
0: Yes, absolutely. And we've seen Skylanders uh, get ported a couple times before. You know, like we've seen that happen with the newer console generations being, you know, PS4 and Xbox One originally where Swap Force came out on the older consoles and eventually got ported to the PS4 and Xbox One with significant improvement in graphics and performance. And, you know, we've also seen that with the Wii as well, where the original version of Spyro's Adventure got ported to PlayStation 3 and Xbox, but had a lot of uh, differences because Toys for Bob didn't actually do that port themselves. It was done by a different third party. And so, because of that, the way that it ran uh, was a little bit different and had a couple more bugs than the Wii version. So, we've seen Skylander's games have uh, different kinds of ports before. But I think the one that's perhaps the most notorious is when Imaginators got ported to the Nintendo Switch at launch.
1: Yes, absolutely. And as one who actually picked up the launch day version of Imaginators on the Nintendo Switch, I can honestly say I had very high hopes for this port.
0: Yeah, me too. For for the first couple months there, the Switch was pretty much just a Zelda machine. But uh, the other game that I had with it at launch was... Skylanders Imaginators. So I was pretty excited to be able to, you know, play through the game again and to be able to, you know, start playing all of my Skylanders stuff on this new console. And then there were a lot of issues with it. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about. So did why don't you kind of go into detail on what one of the major issues with Skylanders Imaginators on the Switch is?
1: Well, the first and most noticeable thing for me was the fact that the graphics weren't as good as they were on the Wii U for some reason, because they should have been better, actually, or at least the same, and load times seemed to be longer as well.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, they seem to be quite a few seconds longer, and this was surprising, because already Imaginators doesn't look that great. Even when you look at it on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, it looks good, you know, but it doesn't look as good as the Vicarious Visions games. Swap Force and Superchargers always have looked spectacular. Like the lighting, the textures, everything always looks really top notch. But Toys for Bob just has always had kind of trouble using Alchemy. I'm not really sure why. Maybe they don't really have a team specifically behind uh, graphics. I don't even know if that's the case when it comes to things like Crash 4 it's about time because Crash 4 was made by Toys for Bob and it looks really great and that was done in the same engine as Skylanders but the thing is is like did Toys for Bob get a whole new graphics team or were they aided a whole lot by Vicarious Visions uh it's it's definitely something up for question because Toys for Bob's just never been great when it came to graphics fidelity like it's just it's always been a little bit lower quality when it's come to Vicarious Visions. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because Toys for Bob still makes really fantastic gameplay. But then you look at the Switch, where pretty much tons of other games have gotten ports, especially now looking at it a couple years after launch. Tons of games have gotten ports, especially from Wii U, where they've actually gotten boosts in performance, like where they've had an increase in frame rate or they've had an increase in resolution. Like, we've seen tons of games have this. And, you know, we see games that are very similar to the animation style and to the graphic style of Skylanders, such as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And that even got a graphics boost. That even got a performance upgrade. But then we look at Skylanders Imaginators, and it just seems like, The models have been downscaled a little bit. Like, it seems like they have less polygons to them in some cases. The textures just look a little bit rougher. And that's especially weird because the Switch is, for all intents and purposes, a much more powerful system than the Wii U. It's not as powerful as the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, but it should definitely be somewhere in between the Wii U and the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And we don't see that with imaginators at all and that's just a very glaring thing and granted graphics aren't like the main thing that i look for when i play a game but it's very noticeable jumping from the wii u to the switch and it just the game looks really ugly when you make that transition honestly it's just such a drastic change
1: That and one of the key reasons behind Nintendo choosing to go with cartridges rather than discs for the Nintendo Switch was they had stated they can hold more information on a cartridge than a disc can hold and the load times would be quicker. But in the case of Skylanders Imaginators, the load times were actually a lot slower than they had been on the Wii U.
0: So I really think that this kind of comes down to an optimization thing. Either for one of two reasons i think either or or it could be both it's either that the switch was a new console and third parties didn't really have a grasp on exactly what the switch could do exactly what it could perform yet and so i think maybe activision just lowballed what they thought the switch could handle and so because of that they ended up downscaling textures downscaling uh just you know tons of different things about the game or They didn't spend as much time on the port as they should have like they didn't spend enough time optimizing it for the system so i think it's kind of maybe a combination of both of those where either one they didn't understand exactly what the switch could do yet because it was new and they didn't have enough time to work on it or two they just chose to not spend a lot of time working on optimizing it, which that could also make sense because at this time, it was two months out from the Activision investors call where they announced that there was not going to be a mainline Skylanders game for the next year. So they could have very much just kind of seen the Switch as an opportunity to sell a couple more units to the game, put out a really terrible port of it, and just kind of call it a day.
1: That's very true. One of the other glaringly obvious downfalls to the Switch version of Skylanders Imaginators was the fact that they completely removed the racing side mode from the game, leaving literally no side content to be done outside of the main story and the Sensei realms.
0: Yeah, and that is something that we kind of sort of touched on a little bit in our conversation with Portal Master last season. Imaginators really did not have a lot of Side content, Like, yeah, you can kind of play the battle arena over and over again, and the waves do change, but at the same time, that was kind of integrated into the story, and so you can't really call it as, like, dedicated side content or dedicated post-game content. Meanwhile, the racing technically was exactly the dedicated post-game and side-game content but that got removed. So not only was that a port anyway to begin with from Superchargers, but that also just flat out got removed in the Switch version for pretty much no reason at all, because you could have a digital library of figures, but for some reason it couldn't just save the vehicles like it did the Skylanders. It was a little weird. Definitely an odd choice, because that would have just given people more to do. It's understandable why the traps couldn't be scanned by the Joy-Con, but vehicles, those should work exactly the same way as Skylanders. So it's just an odd choice for them to remove that.
1: It really was. And that brings us to our next point when it comes to what really went wrong here, and that would be the digital library itself. The digital library was a great concept. We had seen it implemented before in the 3DS version of Skylanders Superchargers Racing. But the way they did it in the Switch version of Imaginators, they actually limited the size of the library to 324 characters, which isn't quite enough for one of each character, especially if you have Imaginators. I believe there are a total of 339 characters, including variants.
0: Yes, Uh, and excluding Heartbreaker Buckshot. Poor Heartbreaker Buckshot. (laughs) Yes would have gotten us to at least an even number of 340 but yeah so it's pretty much not even enough to take up your full collection you know they should have at least allowed for up to the whole entire collection of characters plus enough of one of every sculpt of the creation crystals yes uh that that would have been that would have been much more welcome
1: and then the library wasn't even sorted in any way It was just one list, left to right, and you had to scroll through to find the Skylander you wanted, which I find interesting because the 3DS version of Superchargers Racing also had the ability to preload in Skylanders and vehicles, and they were pre-sorted by element. First, by whether it was a Skylander or a vehicle, and then by element.
0: And we see this with um, some of the other 3DS games, too, where they allow you to have a library and list of all your different Skylanders sorted by element. And here, on the Switch version, if you want to sort it by element, then you have to literally load it in by element, yes. uh, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And even then, it still looks like a jumbled mess because it's just one long list, and that's just absolutely, absolutely crazy.
1: And that kind of brings me to the next point, which is there was no portal for this game, which was a first for Skylanders, especially because the portal is part of the lore. It's part of the game. And it felt really, really strange to be touching Skylanders to a Pro Controller or to a Joy-Con as opposed to putting them in a portal as we had done before. Even on the 3DS, they implemented a portal and just utilized the 3DS's IR capabilities to load in Skylanders by those means. In this case, they could have done something similar. The Joy Cons do have IR technology, and they just chose not to utilize that to put the NFC in one of the Joy Cons, and the NFC didn't exactly work very well with the way that they did it. The range was no good, and In requiring you to load in the same character twice to make it truly playable in the game, oftentimes during the 10 to 15 seconds it takes to load that information from the NFC chip into the Joy-Con, oftentimes you would end up failing the transition and having to try again.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a weird decision. And on top of that, if you, for instance, decided that you wanted to use a portal with this game, if you happened to have your Switch docked and you wanted to plug in a portal via USB, you couldn't. It would actually tell you to remove the portal. (laughs) Uh, It would tell you that it's not compatible, uh, which is just ridiculous because you're so used to having a portal, you should at least be able to have the option there. And even on top of that we know that the Wii U gamepad also had NFC, and I frankly think that it was implemented a whole lot better, because there's a slightly bigger space to be able to put the figure, as opposed to having it kind of really strangely shoehorned in to the right Joy-Con analog stick, which is just odd. It's a little awkward. And that's definitely something on Nintendo's side that's definitely a weird Nintendo design thing but it because with Amiibo it's definitely supposed to be just like a quick tap like it's just supposed to be a you tap an Amiibo card there you tap a Amiibo to the right analog stick and it just kind of works it just kind of quickly gets the idea of what character you want because it's not trying to load in all this different information unless you're doing something like reading and writing in Super Smash Brothers if you're just trying to scan in an amiibo quickly in something like Breath of the Wild it just takes a second for it to be able to read exactly what amiibo it is so it's designed for something completely different than what Skylanders wants to do and we know from an interview with Paul Ritchie the former head of Toys for Bob back during Giants and when the Wii U first came out, he was asked if they were ever planning on using the NFC functionality that the Wii U gamepad had, and he said no. He said no because it would be awkward. They couldn't figure out any kind of way to create a peripheral to where it would just kind of be able to sit on the controller or anything like that and he said that one of the reasons why they decided to keep using the portal anyway as opposed to just having the nfc in the wii u gamepad is because it felt less magical he said that he really liked the idea of having the skylander there on the portal at all times being able to constantly switch out just immediately by just removing the figure putting a new one on And he said that you couldn't have that with the Wii U gamepad. So I think it's very weird to see them just you know, a couple games later with the Switch completely changing that philosophy and that mindset. And I get that they were trying to figure out the Switch. It was a brand new system. This game came out on launch day. And they were probably just wanting to experiment with everything that the Switch could do. But it just kind of felt like a weird design thing. Not only because Nintendo decided to put the NFC in the controller in such a weird way but because Skylanders had never functioned that way so it just felt very clunky and awkward.
1: Absolutely it did.
0: I definitely think that the Switch Imaginators could probably have improved quite a bit if they had just taken maybe a little bit more time to work on figuring out exactly what the switch could do trying to optimize those load times and then also at least just letting us have a better sorted menu when it came to loading in skylander like allow you to sort it by element or maybe by alphabetical order or something to just have have it be a little bit more customizable and a little bit easier to manage that definitely would have been a whole lot more helpful and then allowing us to be able to use a portal and try to use the portal with the game as opposed to using the really kind of awkward Uh, way of scanning in the NFC through the right Joy-Con. So after spending all this time trying to hunt for the right way to be able to set the Skylander on top of that right analog stick on the Joy-Con, I think it's time for us to start hunting for some Skylanders ourselves. It's time for a legendary treasure hunt.
1: Let's dive into the Legendary Treasure Hunt, the segment where we try to find the best bargain on lots of Skylanders as we possibly can. This week's challenge was to find a lot with as many mini-landers as possible with a budget of $35. These lots will be scored as usual. One point for each mini lander in the lot, and one half point for every five dollars under that $35 limit we are. As this week's host, I do have the ability to grant one extra bonus point for any reason I see fit. Let's begin with your lot, Inklander. What were you able to find this week?
0: Right, so I found my lot on eBay. Uh, and it is ten different minifigures for $33. And those figures are Gnarly Barkley, Mini Genie, Trigger Snappy, Eye Small, Thumpling, Small Fry, Power Punch Pet Vac, Spry, Bop, and Drobit. So, overall, a pretty fun lot. Got a couple of the mini variants in there. It's 10 minis for 33 bucks, so not a bad deal.
1: That's actually a really, really good deal. That comes out to approximately $3.33 a Skylander, which isn't bad on average.
0: Yeah, and these are, you know, uh, from Trap Team forward, completely fully upgradable Skylanders. So, um, you know, they play exactly the same way as their typical larger version does. So, you know, it's definitely a pretty good deal. And when I think originally these came in two packs for about 15 so each one was about 750 uh, like this is definitely a pretty good price for a used mini Skylander.
1: Absolutely. You have here a lot of 10 mini Skylanders with nothing extra to add. So that is a starting total of 10 points. You are only $2 shy of the mark, so no extra points for price. So your lot totals out at 10 points exactly.
0: Awesome. So Ditto, what about you? What does your lot contain?
1: My lot is 10 mini Landers as well. My lot consists of Hijinx, Small Fry, I small, wee ruptor, petvac, mini genie, bop, terabyte, trigger snappy and drobit. So my lot is the same size. There are a couple of mini landers that are different from the ones in your lot, so not exactly an identical one. I don't have any variants, but a good overall well-rounded collection. My lot this week was listed on Mercari for a total of
0: $33. So for the first time, we have pretty much the exact same deal at the exact same price.
1: Yes. So my lot also scores out at 10 points for 10 mini landers. And then I'm going to give myself the extra bonus point because I can't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So this week, we actually had the same deal. It's a really good deal. Um, Slightly different Skylanders, so if you're looking for mini-landers, I would advise going with the lot that has the specific mini-landers you're looking for. And this week's Legendary Treasure Hunt is actually, for the first time ever, going to be a tie.
0: Good game to know. (laughs) Good game. First tie, so... You know, it's definitely possible. (laughs) Quite funny that we found the exact same kind of deal for the exact same price. Uh, But hey, I guess it was bound to happen sooner or later.
1: It it really was, especially since we're both now looking for similar deals at the same time. In the spirit of Easter, I'm gonna take a couple of these mini landers and put them in some plastic Easter eggs. Make up a little basket, nice and neat. One each for Glumshanks and Flynn, who seem to be chit-chatting over by the Dread Yacht. Let's go drop off these baskets.
0: Here we are on board the Dreadgat, and it, it, there's some sort of weird voice coming from the clouds. Clouds are parting, and it looks like there's some sort of strange-looking mirror in front of us. And there's some sort of weird evil version of Eon. He's asking us to come join him in some sort of dark mirror world before he tries to destroy all the different versions of Skylands. Well, it looks like it's time for us to go hop in to the Mirror of Mystery. So, Evalon has teleported us into this alternate universe with Glumshanks. It's a pretty interesting level from Skylanders Trap Team. We have friendly trolls, we have evil Mabus, we have friendly chaos, evil Persephone, and Flynn. It's just all kinds of craziness, and quite frankly, I find this level to be a lot of fun. Ditto, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I found this level to be therapeutic. There's nothing like watching Persephone just explode into dust after how much money you have poured into upgrades for your Skylanders because you can't save Skylands for free. It's just like any other RPG out there in the sense that, yeah, sweet, you're going to go save the world. Awesome, we respect you for that. But we're still going to charge you for all the stuff you need. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've always found Persephone's character to be annoying for a lot of reasons for one just you know I, I don't know I don't really like personality I find her really annoying but then two <laughs> the other thing is that for most of the games, until Imaginators, you had to, like, sit through cutscenes of her asking, Do you want another magical upgrade? Yes. Over and over and over again, just for you to be able to just max out a Skylander when it came to upgrades. Uh-huh. And that was quite annoying. So being able to kind of have this sort of boss battle with her, and then, like, destroy her tree and just move on with your day, it was quite nice.
1: <laughs> it was. It was very, very nice.
0: Um, and there's some other really fun things with this level, too. Like, I really like the hippie trolls. They're quite hilarious. I really just like how chill and laid-back they are. And, you know, we t- in, in this game, you know, we, we see various different kinds of variations of trolls in the regular Skylanders universe with, like, the executioners and the trolls with the jetpacks and everything. And, oh, no, it was just quite a stark difference from seeing them as, like, the almost generic bad guy in this game other than for the chompy and just see them as like the the peaceful mabu villagers sort of here even even more different from the mabu because i feel like they gave the trolls in this level even more personality than than the mabu typically have in the regular skylanders universe because the mabu just kind of are always in the wrong place at the wrong time and are just kind of always in trouble But here with the trolls, like, it feels like they have this whole kind of, like, culture going on, which I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, it's really great to see. And it was a really nice change of pace because, as you've stated, the trolls are usually just this generic bad guy. And we actually got something really cool out of them. As much as I love the Mabu, especially Blobbers, at the same time, sometimes you want to knock around a few Mabu. And this was... The perfect place to do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's another thing like that, where sometimes the Mabu Defense Force just takes a little bit too much time building those bridges.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, So yeah, and then we have Mablobs, or Moblobs, as the narrator likes to say. I'm still not quite sure if there's an exact pronunciation for the character, since I think Chaos says it one way and the narrator says it another way, so who knows?
1: It was also really nice seeing a Chaos that actually openly cares about Glove Janks.
0: Yeah, I, I really like what Richard Horvitz brought to the character in, in this level. While, it, while it's short, I really do like it. And it's just, it's just quite funny, really. It's a really nice change of pace throughout the whole level. And speaking of change of pace, one thing that also feels very different is you're able to ride that troll mech throughout um, certain parts of the level. And I really enjoy that because this is a part that you're able to actually backtrack to later on once you're out of that vehicle and actually kind of explore. And looking at that and looking at how they chose to kind of deal with that mech and be able to have you kind of go forward, deal with some defenses, and then be able to hop out of that mech and then go through that area on foot, it kind of makes me just beg the question of why didn't they just do that with vehicles and superchargers where you could go through the same area with your vehicle maybe deal with some vehicle-based challenges in that area and then hop out and then do some stuff on foot so i kind of like what they did with the mech here where you're riding around in that because it kind of felt like a oh this is what superchargers could have looked like if they'd done it correctly that's
1: probably what superchargers would have looked like if toys for bob had done it instead
0: that's true Although I mean, I guess for better, or for worse, toys for Bob turned down the vehicle idea and gave it to vicarious visions so they could work on trap team. yeah, just just imagine if it if it had swapped. what what would trap team have looked like if, if vicarious visions had done it? Oh my I don't know. Um, I don't really know if we have a precise answer to that. It definitely would have not looked like Trap Team does.
1: That's for sure.
0: I don't know. who, who knows what direction Vicarious Visions would have gone with it? It would have been kind of interesting. But yeah, we do know for sure uh, that Toys for Bob was given the chance to do vehicles, and they were just like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll let Vicarious Visions do that. <laughs> so, kind of happy they did. But also kind of not. I kind of just wish that Toys for Bob and Duntrap Team and Superchargers, but what can you do?
1: (laughs) Another thing this level did really well that I really enjoyed was it gave me exactly what I wanted from the main game, but the main game decided to spin it, and that is I got to play as just a Chompy, an everyday garden variety Chompy, and while Chompy's not very good, it was enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's like a silly little thing they had in there because you can't, if, if you're doing a bunch of trappable villains, you can't not have a Chompy in there.
1: They did give us the Bone Chompy, but that didn't have the same feel to it.
0: That's true. That's true. And I also really like how the music for Chompy is the same music that plays in that post game cutscene with the Chompies uh, once you complete. Skylinger's Giants on nightmare mode I I really appreciate that so <laughs> that was kind of like a nice little like easter egg kind of thing they threw in there and I don't I'm, I'm fairly certain that stock music but you never know maybe maybe that was something composed by Belf but fairly certain it was stock music that they just kind of reused from Giants in Trap Team but still I'm... kind of a nice nod.
1: And then still on the point of being not very good, I honestly felt like this level didn't do a very good job of making Evalon seem like a genuine threat.
0: That's true. Both
1: Persephone and Flynn were a far greater threat than Evalon ever was, and I wish that they had done something a little bit more with that final confrontation.
0: Yeah, it definitely was a little weird with him just kind of being in the mirror for the whole level, really. Um, I definitely would have preferred him to kind of have like a chaos fight. It would have been interesting for them to like mirror the chaos fight from Trap Team in some way with Evalon.
1: That was my thought. Either somehow Flynn and them get Evalon freed from the mirror or we get sucked into the mirror and there's this this confrontation similar to the chaos battle. That would have been ideal. Instead what we got was a very non-threatening kind of anticlimactic ending to what was overall a good level.
0: Yeah, and it's not like I don't like the airship fight where you're going and blowing up cannons. Like, that's definitely fun, and I feel like this was a fun version of that in comparison to the other times that they do it, like, with... Um, Chef Zeppelin, but it would have been cool if there was something a little bit after that. And even going off of that, it would have been really cool if Evalon was trappable. It would have been really neat to kind of have this additional evil portal master that maybe you could have trapped with the chaos trap and or with his own evilon trap that maybe came with the adventure pack that just would have been a whole lot of fun to kind of see what they could have done with that
1: it would have been really cool and honestly i feel like the chaos trap would have been perfect for capturing evilon because we didn't know this at the time but when they made skylander's academy they revealed that eon has the same marking on his forehead that chaos has them being under the same element and thus utilizing the same trap would have been even more fitting because of this.
0: Evilon definitely would have been a really cool addition to that lineup, and it would have given the Chaos Trap an additional use other than just capturing Chaos. Now, we do know that Chaos was originally planned to be the magic Doom Raider, but was scrapped due to capitalism. I mean, because they wanted to come up with a different idea for how the traps would work. But, you know, it still would have been kind of cool to see them try to integrate it in some way with having Evilon be trappable.
1: And then what would have made it really cool about having Evil Untrappable, especially if they used the same element traps, is then this element wouldn't necessarily be known as the Chaos element. It would be the Portal Master element, I'm sure
0: yeah absolutely they could have maybe tweaked it a little bit had a little bit more development time and maybe thought about that and it would be kind of cool to see exactly what would happen with that going forward because they could even implement that in like the mobile game ring of heroes a little bit where now i believe with ring of heroes 2.0 the portal masters are playable and they could have maybe done something with a portal master element in that way
1: and that would have helped the immersion in the sense that not only are we a part of their world as it is but now we too have an element assigned to us just like the skylanders do only ours is all-encompassing as we see with chaos
0: and you know this level overall though was quite a lot of fun like we got an evil version of Flynn, whose catchphrase is doom instead of boom which is very funny and i like how he kind of has like that whole section where you're having to like run away from the bombs and trying to get to the safe areas it was kind of a good flashback to like battlefield um from Spyro's adventure like they definitely kind of had some fun with that and just kind of thinking just how hilarious it would be going back to thinking about the chompy again what would have happened if instead of chompy mage we just got a chompy for for imaginators for one of the figures where it's just this tiny chompy on top of this giant pedestal (laughs) Oh my god it would have been perfect. absolutely absolutely crazy because it would just have been toys for bob recognizing that they have a problem
1: <laughs> now this level isn't one that i see very often because it's not part of the main story so i don't tend to go out of my way because speedruns. but this level is in the way of dlc levels probably one of the most fun ones out there i would put it I would personally rank it right there with Thumpin' Wumpa Islands. These are probably my two favorite DLC levels of them all, and I hadn't really given much thought to that until we decided to come back and visit it for this episode.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. This level is really fun because it does something different from all the other Adventure Pack levels, because yes, those are always going to be something separate from the main story, so they're always just going to kind of feel like side content, But in many ways, this really feels like a what-if kind of level where they chose to kind of do this alternate universe what if everything was the mirror version of the way that it actually is and because of that i think it helps it really stand out a lot more kind of like the crash level and that the crash level is all themed around crash and it's themed around that crossover character so i really like how with that level and also with mirror mystery they try to do something different they try to go out of what it typically means to be an adventure pack level and i really enjoyed it
1: This level gave me the thought process of what could happen if they took this one level, the concepts behind it, and everything they did here, and made a whole Skylanders game around this alternate universe.
0: It would be a lot of fun. Like, they could kind of even pull, like, a Link to the Past kind of thing where you have, like, the regular Skylanders world, and maybe you have a couple levels in there and then you have the mirror world where you have like some stuff going on in there and maybe stuff that's happening and one of the worlds is affecting the other world and that would kind of be something really cool to see like they could really make that a mechanic And especially as someone that doesn't really want them to focus on gimmick landers anymore, one way to really make a new Skylanders game feel like it has a very unique identity without having to add in some sort of new type of character, it'd be really cool to see them try to maybe add that as like a gimmick to the story, if you will, where you're bouncing back and forth between these two worlds. And that'd be kind of really fun to see.
1: I really hope Toys for Bob is taking notes because this idea is actually gold and i feel like the fans would really really enjoy it
0: yeah i think it would be lots of fun and it'd be a great concept for a new game so with evil On's defeat it's time for us to step back through the mirror and head to the archaean arena <music>
1: Have touched down in the Archean Arena where we pit Skylander against Skylander in a bout of theoretical combat because PvP is no longer available to us in-game. So, Inklander, what Skylander have you brought to champion for you in today's arena battle?
0: For this episode, I've decided to bring Fizzy Frenzy Pop Fizz into the arena. Fizzy Frenzy Pop Fizz is the Series 3 version of Pop Fizz, And he is of the magic element. He is ranged and has a health of 810, critical hit of 60, armor of 31, speed of 42, and luck of 28. His primary attack is Potion Lob, which allows him to throw a potion for 40 damage. His attack 2 is Beast Form, where he's able to transform into a beast, and that deals 48 damage. Kind of having that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of transformation going on there. And then, Attack 3 is New Concoction, which deals zero damage, but allows Popfizz to be able to switch between his different potion types. So, his two different paths are Best of the Beast and Mad Scientist. Best of the Beast has Beast Form drain slower, it recharges faster, and gains an Attack 3. Meanwhile, Mad Scientist has potions gain increased damage and effects, there are more potion effects added, And attack one can be charged up for three different potions being thrown at once. Both of these paths are really cool. They are a lot of fun. And when you have so many different Pop Fizzes in your collection, you're able to pick between both, and both are actually really fun to use and do come in handy in various different ways. So overall, Pop Fizz is actually a pretty fun and pretty powerful Skylander.
1: There is no denying that. Now, the Skylander I have chosen to champion for me this Easter is none other than one that many would probably call uh, the counterpart to Pop Fizz. I have brought with me today Springtime Big Bang Trigger Happy.
0: Got some Easter flair in there.
1: Now, Springtime Trigger Happy is a ranged tech element Skylander. With a maximum health at level 20 of 600, critical hit 56... Armor 27, speed 45, and luck 27. His attack one is golden pistols, which rapidly fires coins at his opponent, dealing 15 points of damage, 101 if charged. His attack two is called lob golden safe, which does exactly that. It lobs a golden safe forward, dealing 46 points of damage. And his attack three is golden machine gun, which summons a turret-style minigun that fires rapidly at opponents, dealing 12 points of damage per hit. For his upgrade paths, his top path is called Golden Frenzy, which allows for attack 1 to be charged, gain ricochet, and increased damage. And his bottom path is Golden Money Bangs, which gives attack 2 range, explosions and creates a mine wherever it lands. Two different paths for two very different playstyles, depending on whether you're heavy on the attack 1, you like to fire rapidly, or you would rather lob the heavier damage safe and leave behind traps for your opponent.
0: Yes, very true. Just similarly how Pop Fizz has two different paths depending on the playstyle, Uh, one being very focused on the beast form, while the other being very focused on the potions.
1: Yes. Now, this is going to be a very close match, because these two characters are very closely matched in power and abilities. We're going to go into the strategies as normal right now, but I would say that it's definitely going to be a playstyle thing, especially since these two characters are very different playstyle-wise, depending on which path you take.
0: Very true. And the thing is, is I probably would end up going personally with the potion path, just because that's going to be helping out my ranged attacks a little bit more, and it's going to be able to help me combo those potions together and just really kind of help emphasize my ranged abilities there as opposed to the beast form. So and as he said, this is going to be very much determinant on playstyle because our critical hit, armor speed, luck, those stats are actually really, really close. PopFizz has up on some, meanwhile Trigger Happy has up on some. And while PopFizz does have that higher health, the thing is, is that Trigger Happy is able to fire off attacks a little bit faster, especially in terms of that attack three with the machine gun. But at the same time, Pop Fizz's attacks do a decent amount of damage at one time and aren't that much slower compared to Trigger Happy's attacks. So this is definitely going to be something where it comes down to how exactly we're going to be able to try to combat each other. It's yet again one of those situations where it's going to be all down to playstyle.
1: Absolutely. So my plan here would kind of be to definitely take the top path because that allows for more damage coming from my attack 1. But to start out the battle, I would start with attack 3, because that machine gun does fire rapidly. The machine gun is much faster than anything Pop Fizz can hand out. It fires something like 10 rounds per second, I think it is. So I would begin the battle by popping into that machine gun attack, And just gunning down as much of your HP as I possibly can as you move to get into range to potion at me. And then I would switch to my attack 1s because they do deal a bit more damage, especially when upgraded. And they allow for the mobility of me being able to dodge and then resume firing. Whereas the machine gun doesn't have that portability at all. It takes about a second to set it up and then... Well, you can dodge out of it pretty well instantly. By letting go of the button and then pressing jump and moving out of the way, getting it started up again isn't as easy or as quick as just popping off into that attack one rapidly.
0: That is true. Meanwhile, me, the strategy I'd probably be trying to go with is lobbing as many potions as possible and also switching between potions to be able to lay down a lot of those potions that are catching fire, and that will be able to deal more damage if I end up being able to catch Trigger Happy in those fires. And then it's not really until Trigger Happy's health is getting extremely low, right around maybe two, 300 damage, that I would really want to risk switching over to Beast Form getting in a little bit closer, and being able to deal a decent amount of damage with that as well. But primarily, my strategy here is going to be using those potions, combining those potions effectively, and and trying to deal as much damage there as possible. I might even try to send out some of the potion minions as well to be able to kind of hope to sideline and maybe deal a little bit more damage to trigger happy, especially if trigger happy is locked into that tertiary attack.
1: And I feel like both the fires and the minions would be what makes this such an even match, because those would allow for you to deal more damage. Trigger Happy would usually be pumping out the damage a bit quicker, especially laying on that attack three from the start with the machine gun. But I feel like the potion minions and the fires would be what brings it so close and makes it so that Trigger Happy is not the obvious winner, because all it takes is a couple extra hits from some of these hazards that you're laying out, to level the playing field.
0: Yeah, especially if Trigger Happy is locked into that attack three, where, as you said, it takes a couple seconds to get into and it takes a moment to get out of it. So if you are kind of sitting there and dealing a decent amount of damage to me, I'm also going to be able to combo my potions pretty effectively and also deal a great deal of damage to Trigger Happy as well. So yet again, it seems like we have another situation where this might be a tie. Like, this is going to be a really close matchup. And because both of these are pretty powerful, pretty quick Skylanders when it comes to their attacks. And while their attacks are pretty different, they are going to be able to balance each other out pretty well to where this is going to be an even matchup quite a bit of the time.
1: Yes, I would agree so. And so once again, for this episode in the Archean Arena, I'm going to have to declare this a draw between the two. Feel free to let us know who you think would take this battle. And so, with the conclusion of today's battle, we're going to go ahead and hop back aboard the Dread Yacht and head towards Skylanders Academy, where we will meet with Brock for today's segment of Brock's
0: Baddies. We have arrived in Barak's arena here at Skylanders Academy, prepared to see what Challenger is going to be facing us today. And it looks like Chef Pepperjack is stepping into the arena. So Ditto, what are your thoughts on Chef Pepperjack as a character, his design, his play style? How do you, how do you think his boss fight is?
1: Well, Inklander, Chef Pepperjack is actually a really, really interesting character to me. Um, considering, you know, I love to cook, he's a chef. It's really rather intriguing to see all the details behind this character. I find it interesting, his design. He is obviously designed like a chef. He, he wears the outfit, but his head is shaped like a a pepper. And we really don't see any of the rest of him. He's got sleeves all the way up into oven mitts, so we, we don't really get to see how the rest of him was designed. I wonder if it's not all vines, perhaps. Maybe he's just a big old plant with a pepper for a head. Or, you know, maybe he's made up of multiple peppers. It is something that's kind of left to the imagination there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it is kind of neat. Uh, There are some sites where you're able to see, like, the initial concept designs of uh, Chef Pepper Jack as a character. And you see tons of different ideas of, like, having a character sitting in kind of a... Pot almost sitting inside like a cooking pan. Like, there's a lot of different kind of variations that they could have gone with this character. And I'm really happy that they decided to settle on this idea. I think it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty straightforward, but it's also funny. I kind of like how the stem of the pepper is like its goatee.
1: Yes, the pepper stem goatee is perfect. That was the perfect touch.
0: Yeah, and as someone that really likes spicy food, I really like Pepper Jack as a cheese. It's my favorite kind of cheese. I just really particularly connect with this character. It's just a really really great design. I think it's funny and straightforward. You hear the name, it's it's just it works really well and I think it really fits with exactly who he's supposed to be.
1: And then the egg beater weapon was just the icing on top, really.
0: Yes, the egg beater weapon was indeed the onion and the ice cream. When pretty much like you see tons of different variations of kind of I guess sharpshooter characters throughout Skylanders his weapon if you will is really unique because I just I really like how they made it an egg beater because it's absolutely ridiculous it's really only something you would see in Skylanders and it works really well it's really fun And he's also able to throw out those uh, hot peppers as well, and they're able to kind of create burning pools of lava, almost, uh, in in the boss fight. And I think that really fits with his character as well, because his design is based on a pepper, and, you know, he's all about, like, spicy food and everything like that. And I just really, really think that his attacks and his moves fit well with a chef and with his overall design.
1: And as for his personality, he... He's just this Cajun chef, and his voice lines and his scripting, it all just really nails the feeling. He is truly what I would call the perfect chef character for Skylands.
0: Like, I really kind of can't see any other character that would have fit quite as well alongside the Doom Raiders as a chef, and just kind of fitting the whole chef vibe when it comes to Skylands. He really is just the zany, over-the-top character. I really like his personality. The voice actor is absolutely fantastic with the character, and it's just a lot of fun. Like, he's pretty much exactly what you would kind of picture for Skylanders, and it works really well. And
1: his arena, that is specific to his boss fight, is actually really cool. I would have loved to have seen it appear in Brock's arena as an arena-style battle because it's basically this large grill where it fires off lasers that are used to cook the food, it drops steaks onto the grill, and it provides an area for him to throw those peppers and have them go ahead and burst into flames and actually could serve a more practical use at that point because that could cook the spice into the steaks.
0: Yeah, that's true. I really, really genuinely like this fight. I like how they have the lasers that you have to dodge. It's very kind of Mesmeralda-esque. But instead of, you know, uh, puppets, it's lasers. I really like how the actual grill will heat up in the later part of the fight, and you're having to actually jump onto the stakes to be able to dodge it. But the stakes also at the same time aren't safe, because you're having to dodge the hot peppers as well. Like, there's so much different stuff going on. Uh, you know, he will chase you with the egg beater until he runs into a wall. I really, really like the attack pattern of Chef Pepper Jack. It's a really fun fight. The arena is really cool as well. And... While it definitely fits the theme of Chef Zeppelin really well, it also feels like its own separate arena, kind of like, as you said, like it would have actually been really cool to have different kind of rock arena challenge fights in this particular arena, like the don't get hit or the capture the flag kind of stuff going on while you're having to maybe look out for different parts of the grill heating up or maybe having to look out for different patterns of lasers while also having to fight off enemies it would have been really cool but just as the fight itself there's so much going on it fits with chef pepper jack's theme really well and he's just a fun villain to fight not only because of his personality but just because of the actual kind of way that the boss fight plays out
1: and I thought it really added a nice finishing touch. It made it feel a lot more like an actual kitchen, that when he would do that charge attack as he hit the wall, it would cause pots and pans would just fall on him. And I feel like that feels like a real like restaurant kitchen, because there would be a ton of pots and pans just hanging off the walls, and all it would take is you know a decent-sized earthquake, and some of them might come down.
0: Like this is a really well designed boss fight. And of course, you know, because he is a villain and trap team, he is trappable, and all those attacks that we've mentioned, you get to use, you know, you get to throw out the peppers, you get to use that egg beater, and he's a really fun villain to fight, he's a really fun villain to play as, and just everything with him just clicks. He's a really great character overall. His boss arena's great, his design's great, his voice acting's great. He just is a really awesome character.
1: And I feel like all the elements that they put into Chef Pepperjack as a character are what make that boss battle easily one of the best in the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, there are definitely some really fun boss fights in Trap Team, especially when you have so many different trappable villains. But this one is just so fun. So ditto, if you had to give Chef Pepperjack as a Brox baddie a score on a scale of one to seven what would you give him
1: for a brock's batty rating i would rate chef pepper jack a six out of seven
0: uh for me i would actually give chef pepper jack a seven out of seven And the reason for this is because I really feel like he is a complete kind of uh, character. I really like his boss fight. I really like his attack patterns. I think the theming of everything goes together really well. So not only is he a really fun character to fight, he's also a really fun character to play as, and he also just has a really fun personality. So for me, I really think that this character is actually something special. He's one of my favorite Tomb Raiders. I was really sad to not see him in Imaginators as a playable Skylander, and... You know, overall, I really just think he's fun, and that's why I actually have to give him a perfect score. I just think he's really, really entertaining in a lot of different ways, from the fight to the actual personality of the character himself. That gives him a total Brock Baddies rating of 6.5 out of 7, so pretty high scoring, I would say. He's definitely a really, really fun villain.
1: Absolutely.
0: That brings us to the end of today's Easter special. You'll find our website and our individual channels listed in the description. Follow our Twitter at SLPortalCasters for regular Skylanders discussion and Imaginator design challenges. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our Season 2 premiere on May 30th, where we'll be discussing Toys for Bob versus Vicarious Visions, with special guest star, 2 Me. See you then. Bye! Bye. The toys for bob office and just be like hey you got any <laughs> you got any misprints or something i can have <laughs> you should do that just just go to their office one day ditto you're closer
1: <laughs> i am I am. Hang on. Um,
0: just just go there and be like hey you guys got heartbreaker buckshot
1: i'm on maps right now
0: <laughs> yeah watch you be like 30 minutes away or something wouldn't that be
1: nice just based on where it's at I'd say I'm, the way I drive, probably less than an hour away. Oh, hang on. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. Alright, sorry about that.
0: It was just Toys for Bob calling to try to assess how much of an army we have.
1: <laughs> right?